I'm Christian Bush. And I'm Cindy Watts. Welcome to our podcast, 52. I turned 52 this year, believe it or not, and I am releasing 52 songs to celebrate. This podcast looks at the relationship between my 52 new songs and 52 of my most popular songs from my back catalog with plenty of stories and laughs along the way. Cindy. Christian. What's a chef's first job after finishing culinary school? I can't wait to hear. Finding an entree level position. (sighs) All right, then. In college, I worked to construct and pave a cul-de-sac. It was a dead-end job. (laughs) I met a taxidermist who wasn't very talkative. I asked him what he did for a living. He just said, stuff. Wow. Your life feels enriched. Enriched. That's like that's... uranium. <laughs> or Uranus. Oh my gosh. I didn't know you liked science. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is too good. Welcome back. Happy to be here. Aren't you glad that we can finally talk about the name of of the new album. I am. That yes, that person who was telling you not to talk about that was just a a witch. Stuff. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This this episode I would like to go into some traditional country conversation. Very good. Wait, we should say the name of the album because we didn't. Oh, go ahead, why don't you tell them? Well, it's your album. You should tell them. Oh my gosh. So my publicist <laughs> Wouldn't let me let the uh, title of the album out for the first, uh, what was it, five, four or five episodes of the, this podcast here. Um, it is officially called 52 This Year. And uh, this year, our, our, it's, the title is pulled from the lyrics of the last song, which actually was the very first um, song that I talked about from this fourth episode over New Year's called New Year's Resolution Number 7. Yes. Um, but I'm very happy that we have a title now. Yes. And gorgeous album art. The the album, it looks beautiful. And suddenly I I watched the record label, like figure out finally what I was doing (laughs) because the puzzle pieces, all four albums work together next to each other. And when you put them next to each other, they form one album cover. Oh, wow. See? That sounds like an Instagram grid to me. Oh my gosh. It used to just be a four-square game <laughs> drawn a, with chalk on the ground. Now it's an Instagram grid. And now it's an Instagram grid. So uh, all of my throwback references here are an attempt to put our minds in a place that says, um, welcome to some more traditional country music. Um, the album itself, as you listen through it, and uh, I can't wait for everybody to do that, yes. but you'll get about halfway through and something beautiful happens. Um, so assuming you're listening to an album in album order, you get halfway through 52 this year and suddenly it's as if you've walked through the door of country music and now you've kind of um, taken a little bit of a traditionalist stance. And it becomes more and more traditional as it travels 
toward the back of the album. And then it, and then it zigs and zags at the very, very end. But um, I, I, I really considered making the entire last uh, volume all my songs that feel more traditional country to me. Oh, you never told me that. And I, I went and made a version of it and sort of pushed all those songs together and listened to them all and was like, you know, I'm do I'm, I'm, I'm forcing this stuff in just like I was trying to make myself look good in that jacket and it just doesn't work, <laughs> but I love the jacket, but just it, it needs other things. You wanted variety. And, uh, I decided that the way I would group this last record is the way all records honestly should be grouped, but it was best song wins. Yes. So I had like a, uh, uh, songs had, you know, like fights to the death in, in my, in my iTunes playlists until I just kept removing them down and down and down and be like, okay, like intrinsically, this is the best song. If I, if it's fighting against this song, which one wins? Mm-hmm. Um, and, this particular song, uh, I kept putting it back in and putting it back in because it was so simple and so direct. And I just couldn't navigate how I was going to explain it to anyone that it was also me. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, that's where I need your support. I I need you to, to convince me that I made the right decision. Oh, you made the right decision. Um, this song is called uh, first glass of wine. And besides, just really, apropos of nothing, Julie Newton Griffith was my publisher at the time that I wrote this. And uh, I now work with her every day. Yeah. And this was her favorite song. And, right. and I think it's because she drinks so much wine. <laughs> it feels like we missed an opportunity to have wine on the podcast right now. Uh, yeah, we <laughs> Yes, yes, we are missing an opportunity. But that's all right. The, the, the song will at least push you yes. forward until you can get there. There you go. Um, I wrote this with uh, Benji Shanks. Yes. We wrote it without an instrument. Oh, wow. We wrote it in a in a car driving back from a show in Montana. It was an out uh, it was like an outdoor festival show and it was about 45 to 55 minutes from the actual town where we were staying, mm-hmm. the closest hotel. And we were driving. We left before everyone else. Good plan. And we were trying to get back to the hotel before the bar closed. <laughs> Benji was trying to, you know, and you can drive as fast as you want sometimes in Montana. They don't really, like. There's not really lots of people on the roads there. Well, yeah, and there's not a lot of speed limit, like, anxiety. Really? Yeah. Some some locals will even tell you, oh, no, we just, you know, you drive as fast as your car will go. Right? And so I was kind of egging him on, and he's more of a conservative inside sloth-like um, per person like he he doesn't want to break the rules. His dad was a state trooper, like is that kind of guy. Except you know he looks like he breaks every rule possible because he has like giant beard and hair everywhere, and he's a big old hippie guitar player. And uh, I said, "Well, what do you want to do?" He goes, "I don't know." And then we were just sitting there. I was like, "You want to write a song?" And because you know, I figured Benji would be up for it. And he's like, "Sure." Uh, 
and you stop, you get a guitar out of the back. I was like, nope, let's write it in our heads. And he looked at me like I was crazy. Yeah. I was like, Mozart does it. I was a swimmer when I was in high school and I would write songs while I'm swimming. Right. I'd get out of the pool and have two songs in my head. Um, Cause I always had rhythm, you know, when you're swimming, mm-hmm. you have, you have a rhythm you're going to, you can write to. And I said, well, you just got to imagine how it's going to go. And I'll just sit over here and sing it as we go. And I'll pull out my phone and I'll just write the words in the, the notes app. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so we wrote this song and uh, it is essentially a prayer, much like baby girl is a letter to mm-hmm. the mom and dad. This is a prayer that you're sending up to the Lord. Um, and we started to crack ourselves up to such a degree that the next line just made us laugh even further. And by the time we got to the bar, um, I think it had actually closed. Oh like my we goodness. drove as fast as we could and we just didn't get there fast enough. But um, we got a great song out of it. I'd like to listen to it now. Very good. Here we go. Okay. First glass of wine from 52 this year. I'd give anything to make this day stop talking And make this job stop taking more than it gives Sometimes it feels like I might just start walking Convince myself this ain't no way to live Lord, get me to the first glass of wine I promise you from now on every time that I raise that bottle up, I will follow it up with the greatest prayer for you that I can find.
first glass of wine. Amen. So what what you can't see in podcast land is Cindy just gave me a thumbs up. Yes, Cindy's <clears throat> listening very intently to the song while she manages um, other parts of your career. Oh, I, I see what's happening over there. Yeah, Something's been happening on the telephone. Something's been happening on the telephone. That's all right. That, announcements are coming. Announcements are coming tomorrow, friends. Announcements are coming. Um, so I have a question for you. Uh, this, yes. is, this, this is for your journalist knowledge brain. Is this considered... What is this considered... Um, when you speak about it, is it uh, considered retro? Is it considered neo? What is it? Uh, I think it's open for interpretation based on whomever is writing it. To be honest, I don't really. Know. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I wouldn't consider. It, I'm not a traditional country artist that's been doing a traditional country artist my whole life. No, but um, I think retro is retro is fair um for sure i could see how throwback would you consider that that's kind of the same thing but yeah is there a, a what, what is there a term for new artists that are playing old music no not not beyond what we've just talked about you know okay really because I'm wondering how that would get described. Like, obviously, that song right there. By the way, I'm very proud of it, and I just listened to it again. I was like, "Yeah, that's so no, it's good." Fantastic. I, I, to answer your question, I think what would happen is people would sit around and listen to it, and they would not know what to say about it. And I think that um, because it is so different than what people are typically used to writing about right now. Mm-hmm. So I think they're going to have lots of words that they use to describe music on a daily basis that don't fit that song. And then they're going to have to think really hard about what they're going to say about it that's accurate. And they're still probably going to mess it up anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, d- truly. I mean, because there's not a very large bucket of words to choose from and the thing that the dirty little secret in journalism is that you have to keep in mind who your audience is and if you use ten dollar words that your audience doesn't understand to describe a song even if they're accurate you've still failed oh okay because your audience Got it. doesn't understand what that means so would you consider that <laughs> Well, sometimes when we're in the studio, when we're talking about this song and the others that are grouped near it, yes, we call it bong water country. I'm sure you've never smoked marijuana, so you don't really understand. <laughs> but um, at some point, we were recording some of this stuff, and Tom Tapley turned to me, and he was like, man, I can smell the bong water in that shag carpet. And I was like, oh, yeah, we're in 1978 Waylon Jennings, right? Yes. Like, yes. like that's, that's what that means to me as a creator. And I understand what Tom was talking about. Right. Which is why Benji played the guitar that way, which is why Brandon played the drums that way. Right. Um, really what I was trying to get at was 
Oh, look, the Lord is answering our prayers, getting us to our glass of wine. Weighing in. What I was interested in is uh, how to use a structure that people are familiar with to tell a story. Yes. And that feels like a very comfortable structure to tell that story. And also, it allows me to have the attitude to say, Lord, just get me to my first drink, and I promise I'll go to church. (laughs) And I just love the fact that that's even a thing that you could say. I mean, it's very Southern Baptist of you, and I don't think you're Southern Baptist. No, but I think it's freaking hilarious. Yeah, for sure. Um, And it's just baked into it as honestly as it can be. And it's also two dudes trying to get to a, a hotel bar before it closes. Before it closes. Yeah. Um, and, and the thing that sweetens it the most is Leah's voice. Yeah. Um, and Leah sang a whole bunch of stuff of the, uh, on the Troubadour demos for me. Yes. And then I had her come back and sing on the album that we recorded. Right. Um, which is what I want to pair this song with. Okay. And similarly, my, uh, the, my request from the director that, that, the next song is called Plain and Simple, and it's on the Troubadour album. Mm-hmm. And it exists in the the musical, but it also was just a request from the director. Um, I, I need a song that this young female songwriter is singing that is otherworldly more advanced than she is. Like it is, it is as if it comes out of her as the example of a perfectly formed song by a completely amateur songwriter. And when I read the the brief for it, the, the ask, one of the things it said, it needs to be um, effortless. And I was like, okay. And I was still concerned that I still was faking it through country music and mm-hmm. definitely through 1950s country music. So I looked up in uh, on the dictionary online the definition for country music mm-hmm. and it, the definition that I had that whatever popped up in my Google search was country music, music that is plain and simple. And I was like, Oh, and wrote this. Give you my love, my love, if you will have 
to thank Google for giving me the right definition and the song title. I'm a little scared now about Bing having chat GPT underneath it. I'll never be able to ask it a question and get a simple answer. (laughs) Well, I, you know, I think that, I I don't know. I think that Google is simplifying, simplifying what country music is, but for the purposes, for your purposes of writing it seemed that song, to work. It worked. It was, it was great. Yeah. So would, uh, so that obviously is considered even more throwback or more. I don't even know what you go. That would be like I said, uh, classic. I think that's classic. classic. Yeah. I think you could call that classic. I think, um, for sure. I think you could call that classic. You know, there's a difference. We're just talking about, there's a very thin line, I think between classic and traditional and Americana and neo-traditional and in 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 a thicker line between bluegrass but i think that between those things and bluegrass but i think that particularly on that album as a whole you kind of wove between all of those things skillfully and plain and simple i think is 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 classic it's classic country with the two fiddles and the Mm -hmm. and the melody being played and I know that I know structure wise, I did a lot of research that yeah. it begins and ends with the chorus and it has one verse. Right. <laughs> and I hear, you know, I, it, it sounds like a song that, you know, my family would have, my, my aunts would have sang after dinner around the piano, except there's no piano in it, but that, but that's what it, in, in the Smokies, right. that's what it reminds me of. A parlor song. A parlor song. Um, so that's, that's ageless. So what, who is considered a neo-traditionalist? Cause that's, I've heard that term a couple of times in the last month. In the last month. But I know that's true. Uh, so it was in reference to Orville Peck and it was in reference to Charlie Crockett, which are these guys that seem to have voices, you know, like Orville Peck's voice sounds a little bit like Elvis, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a crooner voice. But and it hasn't always been that. That's I, the I thing. know, I know. But I'm, I mean, what? I mean, even the Amy Winehouse stuff, we called it um, retro, right? Um, neo soul is a term that gets used for a lot of soul artists that are young, that are revisiting old soul, but are trying to innovate it now, to whatever degree. They're just using it as a conversation jumping point um in country music i i i mean i i want casey when i look at casey musgraves like the old casey musgraves that's what i think she's doing yes but i'm not sure she's doing it anymore she's now like roller skating at the same time which i love but uh <laughs> it's roller skate country yeah that's I'm, t- I'm i'm claiming the term roller skate country for myself all right i was the og of the roller skate country um, 
but I, I, I'm I'm curious as to really where genre-wise some of this stuff fits because we've we were very comfortable as a group of humans calling something bro country, right? That was a subset of commercial country music that started from one person using that word in a story. Oh yeah, that well, turned into a label. I know that. I I I don't want to get you in a negative mood. <laughs> you, what I'm you, trying you to do, see it, friends. I think I, I huffed and then I rolled my eyes. Uh, what I'm trying I, to do is learn from you right now. Well, it's interesting because you know when I think of neo traditionalism, you know, like Randy Travis is who you think about and what oh, yeah. and what he did in the '80s and what that meant for country music. People loved it. They did love it. And it and it shifted the trajectory of the genre. Yeah. So But do we always have one of those? We have like we had a Josh Turner, which which he he was the his reference back point was Randy Travis, right? Because that's what he sounded like. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I don't I don't know. So he's evolved into many different things. So neo traditionalism is like neo-traditionalist refers to country artists that play in the style of hardcore traditional country, such as honky tonk yet, you know, they are traditionally contemporary and pop. So it's people that you, so by that definition, it's people you would hear contemporary enough that you would hear them on the radio, but with enough, you know, ties to traditional country that you can hear those reference points in their music so dwight yoakam yeah yes um and then you think about that and you think well is it luke combs i don't know because luke combs reference points i don't know that they're that they're far enough back they're not they're not they're not looking far enough they're not looking far enough back to get it but i know on the new mega maroney record that i'm making i'm I'm referencing back pretty far yes, on some of those things, but I'm doing it on purpose you because her songs are actually asking for them. Right. I, it's not something I'm forcing on it, you know? Yeah. It's actually built into the songs. It I, makes it, sense. It sounds like that's where she's writing from. I agree. But she's too young to know that. Right. Um, which is kind of fun, but uh, who, who I'm trying to think about it right now. Do you remember? Okay, okay. This is a great reference point for people my age, <laughs> fifty-two. Uh, do, you, <laughs> do you remember when the Stray Cats came out? Right, Stray Cats were suddenly doing rockabilly in the mainstream. Yeah, and they were doing it in an authentic way mm-hmm. on authentic inst- instruments, but somehow it was popularized by being on the radio. Right. Do you think that has some sort of that's some sort of factor to it. It has to be a successful young well, right. artist if, that, that that becomes a neo-traditionalist because that's why they're called. If, if you're going by the definition. <laughs> well, and the if, definition is like something that shows up on the phone. And the right? definition is, is something that shows up on the phone, but also makes sense if you, you know, we've, we've called Randy Travis a neo-traditionalist forever. So that's my reference point for this. And that's what he was, was somebody who 
was so, you know, deeply rooted in the traditions of country music that it was undeniable, but found a way to con- make it contemporary enough to resonate on country radio, thus kind of t- changing the trajectory of the genre. So if somebody is doing traditional country music, but they haven't been able to make it marketable enough to stand in the contemporary zone on country radio, does it still count? That's uh, Yeah, that's exactly the question. Right. And... Or did they just call it Americana and try to shuffle it out of the way? Right. You know? So... Like Radney Foster, when mm-hmm. I hear his songs, they're very contemporary, but his voice is so traditional. Correct. Right? Um, maybe that's a part of it, too. Yeah. You know, maybe it's your delivery. Sure. Would you consider Winona a neo-traditionalist? I mean, her stuff is pretty throwback um, because it's just she's still going. Right. Do you know I what I mean? I don't know if you if, if it's neo-traditionalist, if you're if you singing, were there when it if happened, you were there when it happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's also a great question. Yeah. Right. So in the world where the record store is being stocked without having records in it, just uploads. Right. That means that all music's available all the time everywhere. Right. So, <laughs> um, whether we know about it or not is our only, right. The only, and in the only difference here, well, cause it, it used to be, they would go out of print. Right. right. So if your record wasn't selling and there was no demand for it, then the record company wouldn't make it. And then therefore you wouldn't, you would not have ongoing sales of whatever, like the dark side of the moon, Pink, Pink Floyd's dark side of the moon is the large, you know, it sells the most all the time. And what they did is they just kept manufacturing it. Yeah. And when you dug through, you, you didn't find many of the other Pink Floyd records, but that one you could find. Right. You know? So that at the time, up until relatively recently in the past six, seven years, the battle to have meaning into the future had to do with manufacturing. And now it doesn't. No. Now it just, what, is it journalists? <laughs> I'll wear that hat. It's all me, <laughs> friends. It's all me. No, I think that it's you know people talk about how genres don't matter anymore because of string like you it's just a label it doesn't matter but sure does i think but I, I think it absolutely does because now more than ever it's like before you could walk into walmart and do a scan and see what piqued your interest and now it's just a much 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 bigger platform and if you don't if things aren't divided properly and you don't know what to call the music you like and you don't know how to search it then you're not going to find it hmm. so it's You know, unless it's one of those very few people who like up and get on an editorial playlist and you listen to the playlist. Right. But for right for every one song that does make it on the playlist, there are thousands and thousands and thousands that may be just as worthy that didn't. Right. So, you know, it's then it then it comes down to the listener. Are you going to let a, you know, an editor at a streaming service spoon feed you your musical taste? Are you going to go dig for it a little bit? And then what happens? Right. Fascinating. Yeah. I, I think it's a really interesting conversation uh, because it's active and now. Right. And and with the amount of music that's being released now, um, obviously, 
you know, I'm participating. Uh, and you, you wonder, you know, what the forensic archaeology is going to be on this later. You know, how are you going to know what survives or not? I mean, when you when you really think about it in a daydream on an afternoon, it it extrapolates to look, man, we don't have enough drive space in Google to keep it all. Right. So we're just going to flush out this old stuff. And if someone asks about it again, well, they will just go retrieve it from a backup. But mostly, you know, I get interested in where is it all gonna go like what do you what goes in the country music hall of fame yeah what goes in the country music hall of fame yeah wow man i gotta work harder (laughs) (laughs) all i need is my little card i just need (laughs) yeah i need my one little card but truly you know it's like you think about songs that well, I mean, even Tennessee Orange, you know, songs that just like broke through and were these massive hits. Yeah. You know, when somebody wants to pay homage to that, what do you have that signifies the early days of that song? Right. I mean, like, you know, really like what, what is point A? I mean, maybe, maybe a lyric sheet, but there's not... You know, I remember the demo I got. Yeah. It wasn't even demo; it was on a phone. Right. She just sang it into her phone. Send so it does, to me. So <laughs> does so does the phone go into the Country Music Hall of Fame? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you could definitely take that recording. I think that's awesome. By the way, yeah, I think that I think there's an entire other version of the of this conversation that we're having that has to do with what we call work tapes. In, sure. the, in our world, which is long before there's a demo, there was a work tape, which is how we captured it in the room while we wrote it. And I typically have two of them. I have the, my hit, I opened my phone and I hit record and left it in the room for the entire duration of the song in case we said something that we forgot we said <laughs> so that I can rewind it and go, what was that that we just said? Oh man, do you remember? I don't even remember. And I have work tapes of want to and baby girl and I have work tape like the work tape of the thing in the corner so -hmm. you can hear us talking about what line right should go there you can hear me trying to tell you um I I had this uh terrible idea that the beginning of baby girl should be um they say this town the stars stay up all night I don't know can't see them uh Except for all the ones at the Wax Museum. No. Because at the time, do you remember all the Wax Museums that were on Broadway? (laughs) And it would have shown you the metaphor. Right. That I was talking about country stars. (laughs) Right. Not just things in the sky. And of course, I was convinced this was the better lyric. And uh, I was wrong. Well, maybe. But it, it would be a really funny thing to listen to if you wanted to, you know, realize. This is what we're going to do next week. How fallible I am. <laughs> uh, but, how many of those do you have? That would be fascinating. But we did talk about this briefly when the world of NFTs started yes. to really come uh, around of a, a lot of songwriters. We spoke about it in, in many an evening of, man, what we should do is make 
the work tapes into an NFT so that only they exist and one person can own it and they can play it for other people. But every time, you know, it changes hands, you know, the original, the originator gets paid. That's how the kind of music and NFTs work. And, uh, so we, I mean, we even talked to like Luke Combs and people like, do you have your work tape, you know, mm-hmm. from your first two hits? And he's like, oh yeah, man, we all do. Right. Uh, I think that'd be an awesome thing. But when you hear them, they will definitely not sound like one kind of thing or another. It'll sound like a person with a guitar in a room with friends. I, th- I think that's an episode we should do. Okay. A work tape episode. I work love it. Work tape episode. Well, um. Thank you. This has been a wonderful learning experience for me. <laughs> you um, made me think on this one. Uh, yeah, well, I, 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 I want to collect all of the badges for my country music <laughs> Cub Scout graduation. And uh, neo-traditional is definitely um, one that I, I, it's elusive. Well. And let's just call it that. Well, I'll a, have to produce one rather than be one because apparently that works. if you're here the whole time, you can't also be that way too. It's like that thing about, you know, fashion where they're like, if you, if, if you wore it the first time, you can't wear it again. Oh no, come on. I got nominated for a CMA for group mm-hmm. and duo. Oh, well that's no, no, no. That's different. <laughs> that's different. We're not talking about low slung uh, bootcut jeans here. We're talking about trophies. That's a different. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm just saying that I, I've gone through the uh, reality where I'm considered multiple different things, but I'm still the same person the whole time. <laughs> I'm like, no, man, you can call me what you want. Okay. Okay, cool. That's that, oh, whatever. Whatever makes just you happy. Keep, just make sure I'm in the record store. I don't care yep. which part of the record store you put me in. Just make sure that I'm there. Uh, but thank you again, Cindy. It's just always a joy oh. sitting around making you know, information happen and making you laugh. My pleasure. Super fun. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Hey everybody, Christian Bush here. Cindy Watts. And we would like to thank you for joining us for another episode of 52. If you'd like to write us with questions or comments, you can contact us at 52thepodcast at gmail.com. That is the number 52. Or by leaving us a voicemail at 803-900-5252. Also, remember, the best way to help us is to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Please and thank you. You can follow me at Christian Bush on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can follow Cindy at Cindy Watts on Instagram Twitter and Facebook as well. Thank you for listening and please join us next week.